listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, the election campaign in Alberta is off and running, and thanks to our rhetoric, Premier Rachel Notley is already channeling Hillary Clinton. Yikes. Sheila Gunn-Reed will offer her analysis. It's funny, isn't it? Late-night talk show hosts such as Stephen Colbert incessantly dine out on bashing President Trump, saying that his policies are harming Americans and America. But the facts, well, they show otherwise, and Amanda Head will deliver the proof. There's a leftist-fueled hate fest raging right now regarding comments made by actor Charlie Hunem. You see, Charlie lauded Jordan Peterson for saying things that, well, make a lot of sense, actually. And for some reason, this is offensive to the progressives. Ben Davies shall explain all. And finally, letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding an Ottawa condo board that has told a major in the Royal Canadian Air Force that he cannot fly a Canadian flag at his condominium unit. And no, we're not making this up, folks. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. On Sunday night, news broke on the far left-wing NDP-affiliated Press Progress website that UCP star candidate Kaylin Ford was a white supremacist. A fellow UCP supporter had leaked her private Facebook messages to the Broadbent Institute operation. Now, I'll show you what Ford said, and I'll let you be the judge for yourself if she's a white supremacist. Now, for context, she was talking about terror attacks here. She said, When the perpetrator is an Islamist, the denunciations are intermingled with breathless assurances that they do not represent Islam and that Islam is a religion of peace, etc. Then she said, When the terrorists are white supremacists, that kind of soul-searching or attempts to understand the sources of their radicalization or their perverse moral reasoning is beyond the pale. She also said, I'm somehow saddened by the demographic replacement of white peoples in their homelands. It's clear that it will not be a peaceful transition. Ford immediately resigned, saying that she didn't want to become a distraction in the campaign. And the NDP, they claimed their very first head of the campaign. When Rachel Notley then was asked about Ford at her campaign kickoff, this is what Notley said here. Like all Albertans, I was utterly shocked to uh, hear of the comments um, that uh, that candidate, who was, of course, a star candidate for the UCP, uh, made. Uh, and let me just say this. I personally do not believe that uh, Jason Kenney is racist, but I do believe that the UCP as a party has a problem with racism. Wow. Where does one even start the analysis? Do we lament the fact that Kaylin Ford had to step down for doing something that one apparently isn't supposed to do in politics, i.e. speak the truth. And then there's Alberta Premier Rachel Notley already playing the basket of deplorables card, declaring that the UCP has a problem with racism, 
all the while conveniently turning a blind eye to official NDP policy that is inherently anti-Semitic, namely the new Democrat support of the boycott, divestment, sanction movement against Israel, because Israel is supposedly an apartheid state. Just incredible. And with more on this nauseating kickoff to the Alberta election campaign is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. So, Sheila, let, let's tackle the comments made by Ms. Ford first. I don't really think, when it comes to the terrorism file, that she said anything wrong in comparing how the usual suspects treat different forms of terrorism. For, exa you know, for example, if it's a white supremacist, perpetrating a massacre, that is exactly what it is called, and rightfully so. But if a massacre is perpetrated in the name of Allah, that's not an Islamist extremism, uh, but rather it's mental illness extremism. Apparently, we're just not allowed to have an honest discussion when it comes to Islamofascism. So, Sheila, let me ask you, what do you think is the reason for this egregious double standard in the first place? Well, because um, uh, we just can't discuss uh, radical Islam, political Islam. We saw it play out the very week that Caitlin Ford was turfed from the UCP, at least as a candidate. Um, we saw the Christchurch shooting and the backlash with that. They're banning Jordan Peterson books. They are banning uh, semi-automatic rifles in New Zealand. And then just a couple of days later, um, an African migrant who has a history of pedophilia abducts a bus full of children and sets the bus on fire to protest the treatment of refugees, i.e. Um, what he said was poor treatment of refugees, and we know they're treated pretty well. Um, and nobody wants to talk about that. It's just sort of glossed right over. But when there's this uh, a white supremacist attack, all of a sudden... Everybody is responsible for it. And when, you know, something on the flip side happens, Islamofascism, like you say, um, we go through this series of justifications that, well, it's not representative of all Muslims. Of course, we, we know that. But why aren't we having these discussions about the problems within certain parts of that ideology? And we can't without being called uh, white supremacists the way Caitlin Ford was. I mean, her reputation is ruined now, and it was really just an easy comment to weaponize a high-profile, uh, highly successful young millennial woman, and it was weaponized against her by the, you know, the left who wants to hold up all women all the time. And, and yet the inconvenient truth here, Sheila, is that the vast majority of terrorism in the world, and it has been this way for decades now, is carried out in the name of Allah. You know, and of course that does not represent all Muslims because one of the biggest victim group of these Islamic terrorists are other Muslims. But it's this idea that we can't have an honest conversation about it. Like what happened in Christchurch was absolutely terrorism. But the, but what yeah. was different about the coverage of the story is that they used the T word right away, terrorism. They Right away they said white supremacist, right? Whereas what we saw on the Danforth yeah. last summer in Toronto is that not only did people avoid 
the T word. Not only did people avoid this as Islamic extremism, but there was actually a covert movement behind the scenes to get a spin doctor to craft a press release for this family to, you know, frame it as a mental illness narrative. And I'm just a little tired of this kind of, um, you know, shenanigans in terms of us not being able to call one specific terrorism for what it is. Right. And, and I mean, it is reflect, it's completely focused on one religion and one ideology. Uh, I'll personalize this a little bit. I'm Catholic. It's very clear that there has been and still remains a problem within my church um, regarding uh, the abuse, the sexual abuse of children. As long as, uh, as long as we avoid talking about it, there will be no purge of those people within our church. And I think people, including Catholics like myself, are pretty eager to talk about it. You wade into sort of that neck of the internet, and everybody's talking about it um, because that's the only way to get rid of it. And and I'm happy for that. So why are we not affording Muslims? Uh, that same sort of uh, disinfectant by daylight. It's yeah. just not fair to every to the rest of the religion that just wants to practice their religion in peace. If they keep end up being lumped in with all the all these extremists by the left, might I add, it is the left to conflate regular. Uh, Muslims with radical Islamists and makes it off limits for us to talk about the differences between the two. It's not doing anybody any favors and it's making the world less safe. And, and you know, and, and again, Sheila, as I've said so often that, you know, you talk about two uh, more unlikely bedfellows than the left and those who represent uh, radical Islam. I mean, if the left is all about women's rights and gay rights and freedom of expression and so on and so forth, these are the things that the Islamists hate. And the idea that they're, you know, in bed together uh, as allies it's mind-boggling to me, and uh, you know it, it defies it defies logic. But going back to Miss Ford, as you said in your commentary, she's um, apparently she said that she stepped down voluntarily because she didn't want to be a distraction to the campaign. Do you think that's the truth, Sheila, or do you think she was pushed? I think it's six of one, half a dozen other. I think that uh, she's a woman who's deeply interested in getting rid of the NDP. I mean, that's why she's running, um, to make Alberta a better place. And so, you know, if she remained on as a uh, a candidate, she would have been just the focus of the NDP. And I think um, Jason Kenney is very risk averse. (laughs) He doesn't talk to me. So I think um, they pushed her to go and she was more than happy to go. But going back to your comments about the strange bedfellows of, you know, the, the far left socialists and the NDP, and radical Islam, I mean, can, that just points directly to their BDS campaign. I mean, they've adopted boycott, divestment, and sanctions against Israel, which is basically a Hamas idea. Um, and, and it's an idea that would be adopted by any neo-Nazi or white supremacist um, to target Israeli businesses. And yet they have the audacity to call other people white supremacists. It's really strange. Yeah, and by the way, the reason I refer to this as anti-Semitic, because you'll always have the defenders of BDS say, well, you know, there's a difference between being anti-state of Israel and anti-Semitic. However, if you're going to frame 
the rationale for BDS because Israel is a so-called apartheid state, which is what they do, Sheila, then we know Mm -hmm. there is no apartheid in Israel. This is a complete lie. It's a libel. So when your premise for BDS is based on a lie, I have to think, What's the real reason why you're going after it? And I, and in my book, it's because this is the Jewish state surrounded by neighbors that are hateful towards it, want it wiped off the map, and that's why it's anti-Semitic. Well, and, and just the utter stupidity of the unintended consequences, right? I mean, when they target Jewish-owned businesses, uh, they actually target the Palestinian employees of the Jewish-owned businesses and put them out of work. And those people are just, you know, collateral damage in the war against the state of Israel. Um, but first-world do-gooders here in Canada, like the NDP, they don't seem to care about that sort of stuff. No, they don't care. They're just, um, uh, I guess, useful pawns, if you will. And, uh, you know, the the leaders of these organizations, whether it's Hamas, the PLO, Hezbollah, uh, you never have to have a red tag day for them. They they live high off the hog, as always. But we, we again, turn a blind eye to that hypocrisy, too. Uh, Sheila, uh, great commentary. Uh, We got to wrap it here. And uh, it looks like you've got a... um, a fun uh, five weeks or so ahead of you covering this campaign that's already started off on a very nasty note. Yeah, it's going to be a sleazy uh, month ahead of us with the NDP. I mean, like you said in my uh, commentary, they've gone full Hillary Clinton and they did it on about day one and a half. So, I mean, this one is going to really be a Well, hopefully it ends the same way, just like how it ended for Hillary Clinton. Okay, so Sheila, um, have a great weekend and uh, thanks for weighing in. Thank you, David. You got it. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed in Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. TV host slash comedian Stephen Colbert. I don't know if you can really even call him a comedian or his writers comedians because their repertoire of comedy for the last three years has consisted pretty much 99% bashing President Trump and his policies. So Stephen Colbert gave an interview at Paley Fest and he was discussing the fact that late night TV hosts basically are very transparent in their hate and disdain for this president and they don't ever miss an opportunity to bash him. So Stephen Colbert says this, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying what this person is doing to families and the nation is horrible. So I emailed my editor and uh, I said, you know, I really just want to kind of take this opportunity to talk about what the president has done. And I have this uh, printed off from whitehouse.gov, I don't know, 10 pages long, printed both sides, talking about the president's accomplishments. And I couldn't possibly go through all of them because it would take hours upon hours upon hours. Uh, So I highlighted just some of my favorites, so let's go through those. Uh, With regards to the economy. This is the eighth time this year that the unemployment rate has been below 4%. Prior to this year, the unemployment rate had fallen below 4% only five times since 1970. The unemployment rate for African Americans this past May fell to 5.9%, which is the lowest point ever on record. 
Continuing on with economy, African-American and Hispanic-American poverty rates reached record lows of 21.2% and 18.3% respectively in 2017. Manufacturing added 284,000 jobs in 2018, the most added since the year 1997. And on and on it goes when it comes to the accomplishments of the Trump administration. Not that you're going to hear about these achievements all that much, not when there are really juicy fake news stories out there to report, such as, oh, I don't know, Russian collusion. Oh, and don't turn to the late night shows for comic relief either, folks, because the likes of Colbert and Kimmel and Fallon and Myers, well, they make for a Greek chorus when it comes to the dump on Trump narrative, because despite Trump's numerous accomplishments, he is, according to Stephen Colbert at least, doing horrible things to Americans and America. Unbelievable. And joining me now to further discuss this monotonous leftist hate fest regarding the president is our LA-based Hollywood conservative, Amanda Head. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. So Amanda, let's tackle the likes of Colbert and company. You know, I think in the entertainment business, you need to be good or you need to be bad, or you need to be so bad that you're actually good. But the unforgivable sin is to be boring. And quite frankly, Amanda, these late night nabobs of negativity are so boring that millions of Americans, if the ratings are any indicator, are simply tuning out. So why is it, do you think, these one trick pony hosts are still going down the dump on Trump path in the first place? I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's so boring. And I just saw a, a headline flash across my screen that some Democrat again compared President Trump to Hitler. And it's like, <laughs> yawn, you guys need to get more material. But it's practically every late night comedian. Um, it's pretty much everyone in mainstream media. And they completely ignore the fact if you turn on any of the other any of the ABC networks, any of the mainstream media networks today, no one is talking about the fact that this president has all but eradicated ISIS, uh, the last and final stronghold. You have to think of it in terms of numbers. So ISIS used to control, I think it was 40,000 miles, roughly the size of Kentucky. They had a tiny, tiny section of Syria, uh, about the size of Central Park, and we are closing in on them. And we have Syria. Uh, Syrian insurgent fighters who are tearing down the ISIS flags there. And you won't see a word about it on mainstream media. You don't see a word about the economic numbers and GDP numbers on mainstream media. And people like Stephen Colbert are a part of the problem. And they, they, they completely ignore all of the great things happening in this country. The two main things that people were seeking in the 2016 election was a safer America and a more prosperous America. And the president, despite the fact that we haven't even gotten the wall yet, has delivered on those two things. But what's interesting to note, uh, Ted Koppel, who is, you know, an old dog reporter, he's a part of that that, that tradition of journalists where they actually neutrally report on the news, not this current uh, climate of journalistic hooliganism. And he said in a recent interview that, you know, mainstream media, they basically have decided that Trump is the worst person in the world and everything they do, you know, despite the reputation of New York Times and Washington Post and, and longstanding media establishments and news establishments like that 50 years ago, you could actually rely on them for the news. But despite the fact that they have that reputation from the past of being reliable sources, they all have committed to the fact that President Donald Trump is bad for America, 
and they are all committed, including comedians like, I don't know if you can call them a comedian, late night hosts like Stephen Colbert. And they are all in this, this bubble of, of thought that they have to propagate this message, but it also doesn't, doesn't help slash hurt, depending on which side, which side of the aisle you're on that, you know, he's here in this Hollywood bubble. He's here in Los Angeles or for those in New York, like Robert De Niro, who screams F Trump at speeches. Mm. Um, they, they exist in this bubble of elitism and they've got everybody talking and echoing and parroting the same points back to them. So it, it makes you wonder if they really even realize how out of touch they are. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that's the other element here too, isn't it, Amanda? I mean, the, uh, the discourse has just gone down into the sewer, the profanity. Uh, you mentioned uh, a Democrat uh, comparing uh, Trump to Hitler. It's not that you can't play the Hitler card. It's just that unless someone is committing genocide, don't play the Hitler card because it's completely invalid. But you know, I was going through the, the, the comments so far on your uh, commentary and one viewer weighed in, why are you so angry? Comedians have made fun of presidents forever, which is true, Amanda, but I think the difference here is that it's, it's not like the old, you know, Johnny Carson show where there were jokes that were genuinely, genuinely humorous. There is this mean-spirited diatribe to the, uh, the late-night hosts of, of today. And quite frankly, the jokes are not funny. And used to be, that's where I went for comic relief was the late-night shows. And they're not delivering that anymore. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's kind of the point of my video is that, you know, comedians can make fun of people. That's that's their job. And and I think that, um, honestly, comedy is the last vestige of free speech in this country, and it's the one thing that I think can bring us together. Um, and back in the days of Jay Leno, that could happen. And Stephen Colbert's comments were actually in reference to something that Jay Leno said about, you know, being, being so one-sided in late night or comedy or in the media in general. Um, and the fact that it just makes life tough for these people. But it, it seems that it's quite the contrary, that it doesn't make life tough for people like Stephen Colbert because they continue to be on the air. Uh, they continue to have viewers from that fringe element of the left and people keep lifting them up and giving them jobs. So it's, it's unfortunate because yes, like you said, in the days of yore, uh, you did have comedians who were equal opportunity offenders. They they made fun of everybody, and that's the glory of comedy. And that's the reason why people, you know, at that time didn't take offense to it because it was it was an equal opportunity. But also, like you said, I mean, their their jokes, quote unquote jokes, are just dripping with hatred for this man. And they make fun of his wife, and they make fun of his children, and even their youngest son, Baron Trump. And it's like that. That just takes it too far, and it's just disgusting. Oh, I, I agree, Amanda. And, and I like that phrase you used, equal opportunity offender, but we don't see that. And you know, and yet, look at the Democratic Party. I mean, you talk about a dumpster fire just in terms of the candidates vying to become leader <laughs> for the Democratic Party and potentially the next president of the U.S. I mean, that's a gold mine of comedy there, but they, you know, with very few exceptions, they tiptoe around making jokes of these characters, don't they? Right, yeah, in fact, the most recent one I can think of is, um, I can't remember who it was, maybe, wasn't Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon maybe, uh, making fun of Beta O'Rourke and his hand gestures. But again, it wasn't mean-spirited. It was just kind of teasing his his mannerisms. Um, and, and if it's the same story with President Trump, they are 
you know, showing him making some type of symbol that they think has become the symbol of white privilege and then calling him a racist. And it's it you, you can always tell it's very two very different stories and two very different sides of the coin when they make fun of President Trump and deride him, uh, as opposed to when they poke a little bit of humorous fun at a Democrat like Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, and talk about low-hanging fruit, his hand gestures. Why didn't they make fun of what uh, Beto O'Rourke said last week, that capitalism is inherently racist? I mean, you know, you don't even yeah. need to come up with a punchline. You just have to quote this guy to get people laughing. Yeah, and, and he's the guy who, who uh, pledged to not take any oil money, and then he took the second highest amount of oil money throughout his campaign, second only <laughs> to the man who beat him for his Senate seat, Ted Cruz. See, I'm laughing already, Amanda, and you're just reciting facts. So there you go. Well, Amanda, it, it, it's so sad. All I can say uh, to the younger folks is go onto YouTube, watch clips from the Johnny Carson show, because even when Johnny was corny, even when Johnny was bombing on his monologue, it was funny. There was that kind of charm to it, and it's all gone today, sadly. So anyways, Amanda, great commentary, and thanks for joining me here. Thank you. You got it. And that was Amanda Head in Hollywood. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. and story time. So first, Triple Frontier star Charlie Hunnam came under fire after an interview in Men's Health where he praised ya boy, Jordan Peterson. Immediately, the leftist claws in the media came out and blue check marks on Twitter to destroy Charlie. The Mary Sue ran a headline quote, I like Triple Frontier and then Charlie Hunnam had to go and ruin it. Yahoo Entertainment said, quote, actor Charlie Hunnam sparks outcry after revealing he's a big fan of men's rights figure Jordan Peterson. And Elle read the headline, quote, Charlie Hunnam is a big fan of men's rights hero Jordan Peterson. So what is the problem with the beliefs that Charlie adheres to? Check out the slant here. After salting the headline, they say, quote, Hunnam mentioned his admiration for Jordan Peterson, the controversial psychologist, author, and hero of the men's rights community. And what did Charlie actually say? He said, quote, I love the message he promotes, which is, take your life seriously, carry as much responsibility as possible. I think in his words, he says, pick up the heaviest thing you can and carry it. He went on to liken Peterson's mentality to those of special force guys. Quotes, in this day and age, everyone's grown soft and entitled, Hunnam said. It's like, no guys, you're not entitled to anything, unquote. Well, gee whiz, that sounds like the worst activism hero ever, right? Gracious, imagine that. There was a leftist hate fest on right now for comments Charlie Hunnam made in Men's Health magazine. And the outrage is due to Charlie quoting Jordan Peterson saying things that are actually, oh, I don't know, common sense. Hey folks, forget about the triple frontier. Do you ever get that feeling that you're right now residing in the bizarro universe? And joining me now with more on this somewhat disturbing story is Ben Davies. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Ben. Dude, so good to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for joining me. Now, Ben, given the outrage by the usual suspects regarding Hunnam's admiration for the wisdom of Jordan Peterson, it made me wonder how many people in Hollywood are simply pretending to be liberals and progressives because it might just be detrimental to one's career to come out as a conservative. What are your thoughts on that, given that you happen to reside in this biosphere of the bizarre? 
Oh, you are 100% right. I mean, you got to think, if you take one line out of the realm of the left, then you can be absolutely bombarded with attacks. And it's such a fragile career anyway. So much of it is the people letting you in, the gatekeepers, the casting directors, the producers. And if you say one thing wrong, that can be the difference between you and one other person. And that is so much of this industry. And you saw that. And you see that happen all the time, even like the smallest comments. I remember my video, I don't know, like uh, six months ago on Henry Cavill, the guy who plays Superman, where he was talking about the Me Too movement, how he carries himself as a gentleman. But he also, and that he treats every woman with utmost respect, but he also said it kind of freaks him out a little bit when he approaches some woman because he's afraid he's going to come off as like a creep or something. And he had to mm. walk back those comments. I mean, it, it, even that is enough. But if you say you like Jordan Peterson, that was enough to get Charlie attacked. Yeah, but you know, the, the difference here though, Ben, and it was refreshing for a change, is that Charlie isn't walking back these comments. He's sticking to it. And that is so rare these days. You have celebrities, you have athletes coming out stating something. They uh, endure a bit of a backlash and they fold like a cheap tent, but not him. No, dude, he seems like he's the real deal. And I loved him in Sons of Anarchy. He always just had this swagger about him. And yeah, you saw his comments, what were supposedly so controversial. And what he said was, you should take your life seriously. You should pick up the heaviest burden you can and carry it. And it's like, who would disagree with that? Basically, you know, I should be responsible for myself. I should take care of everything in my realm that I can instead of blaming other people or obfuscating it to someone else. How is that even remotely controversial? And being the guy that he is, he apparently has not walked it back one bit. And that kind of strength and that kind of swagger definitely came out on screen in Triple Frontier. And, and you know, I think this is what makes this story disturbing to me, Ben, is the fact that, you know, the quotes he was re-quoting from uh, Jordan Peterson, what you had just said, right. you know, self-determination, take responsibility for your actions and so forth. That seems to suggest to me that because it generated a backlash, that we're living in some sort of age of entitlement, that people think that they shouldn't have to do anything to earn things anymore. It should just be given to them. Is that how you interpreted uh, this backlash, Ben? Careful, this is on live TV. That's hate speech right there, man. If you say someone doesn't deserve something, they're not entitled, that their view of the world isn't the truth necessarily. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, that's exactly what's going on. And that was the second part of his interview where he said, I'm just sick and tired right now of people not taking responsibility. He's like, look guys, no one is entitled to anything. And that was the second part of what he was talking about. And it's that kind of mentality though, because everyone else is so soft and so weak right now, that will allow you to rise to the top. Just incredible. And another angle on this story, Ben, you quoted, uh, and I have to admit, I'm not familiar with this online publication, The Mary Sue, I believe. Oh, and, oh dude, you gotta start looking it up. <laughs> so bad. I will look it up now. But I really got a laugh out of the headline where the writer says, I really like Triple Frontier, and then Charlie Hunnam had to go ruin it. And what this made me think of is how so many progressives in Hollywood, they subscribe to the mantra, um, oh, uh, dislike the artist, but love the art. And I'm speaking about real creeps like Roman Polanski, who in the, the 1970s, of course, used a date rape drug to rape a minor. And yet you still see a significant um, you know, uh, number of celebrities in Hollywood uh, longing for his return to Hollywood, which will never happen because he's a fugitive on the run from 
U.S. justice. He, but he won an Oscar in 2002 or something like that. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> But, but, I mean, you know, isn't that a bit of a hypocrisy here? Just for him stating a contrary opinion, she's not going to uh, dislike Charlie, but she's going to dislike the entire project that he's in. Leftist hypocrites? Stop it, Dave. <laughs> Stop it. No, yeah, of course. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I have to, you know, you, you separate someone's personal opinions from their character even too sometimes. Like I have friends that I just have to ignore that they're saying all this terrible, stupid stuff. And even in daily life in L.A., I'm like, okay, they say this. They're not that kind of person. And I do that all the time in the arts. Half the cast of the Avengers, I can't stand their comments, but I like their performances. I like their characters. This is something we as conservatives do on a daily basis. But heaven forbid their little perception of the world on the left pops and someone disagrees with them. And then all of a sudden it ruins everything in their little world. It's just it's insane to see that happen. But that is so true that if, if one actor would go out and say that, that it ruins the entire project that they were previously loving, apparently. And then Mary Sue is 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 basically satire is so left and, and so like. It's, it's, it's crazy. You got to read more of those. They're hilarious. And, and tell me, Ben, is uh, Charlie big enough of an actor, well-established enough that he can endure this backlash? Or do you see him being penalized by not getting roles, by being economically penalized? How do you see this playing out? I actually see this possibly working for them because it's so po ah. polarized right now. And there are producers that are conservative. There are directors that are conservative. And I think the more this gets out to the conservative uh, consumer, that this is the kind of guy he is, this is his character, this is what he believes, and he doesn't actually back down in the real world and on screen, I think he can be the next guy. Like, he already turned down the lead role of Fifty Shades of Grey, which was, you know, fought over by everyone in Hollywood. He booked it and turned it down because he didn't have enough time to prepare, and now he's glad he didn't, but now he's getting back into that kind of action, that kind of guy role thing, and he's great, and he's good enough to where he can, and if the more people get to hear about his personality, what he believes in, we're going to appreciate him even more when he gets in his next movie. Well, that's fantastic, and I hope you're right. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? I, I know in your review of this movie, uh, basically you summed it up as the theme being better to live hard as a good man than to die a, comp a compromised one. And that seems to be what he's doing in real life, too, isn't it? By not dialing back his comments and for meaning what he says and saying what he means. Absolutely. And that's why I think he did so well in his particular role in the movie. And, yeah, it's one thing to take responsibility. Like he said, pick up the heaviest burden you can and carry it. Take responsibility for your actions if you'd say or do something wrong. But if someone's just going to mob you like they try to do Tucker Carlson, him not back down, that's the kind of mentality you got to have. It takes more character to stand up when people want you to apologize, and it does even when you do something wrong to apologize. And wow. so what he's doing now is great, and it does it is perfectly in line with the movie. That it's a pretty that's a pretty good watch on Netflix. It's not amazing by any means, but it's a really good fun movie with some good messaging in there to watch. Well, Ben, I guess there's hope for Hollywood yet, or at least there's some shining stars out there in a beacon of uh, progressive blackness. So, uh, great commentary, and uh, thanks again for weighing in, my friend. Oh, thanks so much for bringing me on. You got it. And that was Ben Davies in Hollywood. Stay tuned, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. One can only imagine how stunned Michael Mitchell was to receive a notice from his condo board demanding that he remove a supposedly unsightly object from the front of his Ottawa home and that offensive object was none other than a Canadian flag? Yes, the maple leaf was flapping just above Mr. Mitchell's garage. Hmm, does one salute or call 1-800-GOT-JUNK? 
Well, apparently it is the latter, according to Ottawa-based Axia Property Management, because, well, the rules are the rules, and flying a flag at this condo has run afoul of their precious condo rules. How awful is that? Actually, it gets much worse. Michael Mitchell is a major in the Royal Canadian Air Force. He served all over Canada and had an eight-month tour of duty in Afghanistan. His father and grandfather were also military men. The irony is both perverse and profound. Major Mitchell can put his life on the line defending our country while toiling under this flag, but Axia Property Management would prefer if he wouldn't fly his flag on their property. Again, how, how weird is that? Well, there's reason number 442 why yours truly is no fan of condominium life. If one cannot fly a Canadian flag, yes, the flag of our nation, at a condo complex, I want no part of living in such a place. And to tell a military man not to fly the maple leaf, that's a whole other level of appalling. But that's how they roll at Axia Property Management, apparently. In any event, here's what some of you had to say. Ov1 Kenobi writes, I would hang it upside down and I would make sure it stayed that way as long as Justin Jihadi is the crime minister of Canada. Well, Ovi, flying a flag upside down is a way to signal distress. And with the Justin Trudeau liberals at the helm, these are distressful times indeed. Roy Raven writes, Canada, where patriotism is punished. We have a different response to these sort of things down in Texas. Well, you know, thank goodness for that, Roy. Uh, little wonder the catchphrase on some of your license plates is, don't mess with Texas. I think we could use some of that fighting spirit north of the border. And Mohammed Fukwadi Al-Kaboom writes, I wonder if Dave would support his right to fly a swastika. I doubt it. Well, Mohammed, if someone wants to fly the swastika and thereby let everyone know that he is a scumbag that supports a regime that killed millions of innocent people, then by all means do so, but be prepared to live with the consequences. By the way, visit Toronto on Al-Quds Day. You'll actually see the flags of terrorist organizations such as Hezbollah on display, but apparently that's okay. BK writes, Nice spin, guys. <clears throat> this isn't a liberal versus conservative issue. It's a condo rule. Stop trying to politicize everything. Well, BK, I never did spin this commentary as a liberal versus conservative issue. I'm sure there are people of all political stripes that are absolutely appalled by Axia's actions. However, I would love to see a law enacted in which it is the fundamental right for all Canadians, even those living in condominiums, to fly the Canadian flag. The Maple Leaf is not a pirate flag or a sports team flag. It's not a rag that needs to be disposed of. It is our national flag and it deserves better. <coughs> and finally, Taekwondo Time writes, a few points if I may. Number one, this is a condo, not an apartment. Since the condo unit is owned by its occupant, that should overrule the condo board as far as what can be displayed outside. Number two, it's a Canadian flag, and from what I can see in the picture, it's a reasonably sized flag, nothing ridiculously over the top. Number three, I'm wondering what type of person 
would complain about something like that. Number four, I'm wondering what type of condo board owners and condo property owners would prohibit something like that. And number five, I'm wondering what type of country we live in when someone can even make rules like this to begin with. What happened to property rights in this country? Hey, Taekwondo time, I couldn't have summarized it any better myself, but on your last point regarding private property rights, well, sadly, private property rights are not enshrined in our ever-evolving constitution. So yes, we can amend the constitution to give prisoners the right to vote, but enshrining private property rights? Oh no, that's just too outrageous. Sadly, we seem to be increasingly living in a country in which the takers are preferred over the makers. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.